haunted jungles and cursed rainforests. That is what I'll be discussing this week on Paranormally Speaking. I'll be sharing tales that were sent to me from missionaries, military personnel, and National Geographic reporters. I'm going to start this off with an actual tale that was sent to me uh, from a Marine who served in Vietnam. Marines in Vietnam would often try to recruit locals to help guide them in their area of operations, he states. In some areas, however, the locals were fearful of going into the densest, darkest parts of the jungle. The reason they found was the local superstition that phantoms called Ma occupied the trees there. Matagnards warned the U.S. troops that reanimated corpses awaited them in the trees. The Marines, of course, shrugged the stories as just local folklore. Starting in 1965, it became very real. American troops in the jungles of Vietnam began reporting ghostly figures moving supernaturally through the trees. Others reported fanged creatures with black eyes that would try to kidnap and consume unsuspecting troops. In one encounter, the beasts were found to be bulletproof. It didn't matter what time of the day it was. The corpses lived by both day and night. Since the triple canopy jungle kept the sunlight from hitting them, the military's top brass decided to get rid of it. That's the real reason the military developed Agent Orange and Napalm. The Marines would then roll in with flamethrowers to finish the job. Please hold for an important word from our sponsor. Welcome back. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, artist, illustrator, screenwriter, filmmaker, producer, all-around awesome Jedi super-duper geek, nerd, and a loving husband and father of two wonderful children. Thank you for sticking with me on Paranormally Speaking. As I mentioned earlier, this week I'm discussing haunted jungles and cursed rainforests. Now, the difference between a jungle and a rainforest. Your jungles are lush with foliage and thick vines and shrubs and whatnot on the ground level. So you got to whack your way through with a machete or cut your way through with some other sharp object. But then you've got the rainforest, which... It's, it barely sees the light of day on the ground because the top, the canopy to it, is so thick because the trees are much taller and blocks most of the sunlight. But light does get through well enough to produce life and um, not as thick of a foliage and, and vines and greenery and so forth. Now, that's the difference really between your typical jungle and a rainforest because you can have a rainforest jungle as well which is like 50-50, thick vines and shrubs and whatnot, along with a canopy on top. And there are creatures and humans and living beings and all types of species of different animals that we've yet to discover or even knew existed. Uh, There are tribes of indigenous peoples that have been cut off from modern world civilization for so long that most of them will probably never be discovered in our lifetime. The Island of the Dolls, despite its status as the World Heritage Site along with Mexico City, it's a well-preserved example of Aztec life. It has reached a certain amount of internet fame for its Isla de las Muenesca, or the Island of the Dolls. Hidden 
among the area's many canals, the site is famous for hundreds of doles and dole parts hanging from trees and scattered among the grass. The Chinampa, akin to artificial island, used to be the residence of a now-deceased man named Julian Santa Barriar. After finding a dead girl's body in a nearby canal, Barriar collected and displayed the toys in the hopes of warding off evil spirits, reports National Geographic. Today, the island is believed to be haunted by the ghost of the drowned girl. And local legend even states that the dolls had been heard whispering to each other, moving their heads, arms, and opening their eyes. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Hey, welcome back from the commercial break. I'm just sitting here working on what I will be discussing today. Crazy stuff in regards to the world that we live in, the planet that we inhabit. Approximately 5% of the ocean has been discovered. That's just 5%, which leaves 95% of the ocean completely unexplored. Now, when you consider the fact that we know a lot more about space and surrounding galaxies that we do about the depths of our own waters and the regions within our own forests. That says a lot about how much we don't know, how much of a clue we really don't have. And since the ocean occupies roughly 70% of the Earth's surface, this leaves approximately 65% of the Earth, and excluding dry land, of course, completely unexplored. That is quite a lot of Earth left to explore. Now, the top five mostly unexplored places on Earth, the frontier. Socrates said that philosophy begins in wonder. For some, wonder means puzzlement. To others, curiosity. One of the five mostly unexplored places on Earth, Vale do Jarver, Brazil. Son Dung, Vietnam, Lake Vostok, Antarctica, Gangkar, Pyonsum, and Bhutan, Mount Roraima, and Venezuela, Brazil, and Guana. Now, those are areas that are thick and rich with undiscovered species. Species that may have been assumed to have already gone into extinction, wiped from the face of the earth. They may be inhabiting these forests, this wilderness. And it, there's so much room for our very own Ohio Grassman or the Pacific Northwest Bigfoot or the Skunk Ape of Florida or the Swamp Beasts in Arkansas and Alabama. About 95% of the U.S. is unexplored or underexplored, at least as far as international tourism is concerned. In a way, most of the country is off the beaten path, even for Americans. Americans don't get out to see the U.S. like they used to when cars were new. 
The epic 1950s road trip is becoming a thing of the past. Amazing tales that I've heard from missionaries through the years and people that have worked in indigenous lands with people who've been cut off from society and from the modern world consist of missionaries working with aborigine headhunters and or cannibals, uh, trying to communicate with them, share the gospel without losing their own head, and taking some interesting photographs. Uh, of course, most of the tribesmen hate to be photographed because they believe that the camera will steal their soul or that something evil will come from the film, like an evil version of themselves would jump off the picture and come to life, wreaking havoc on those they love. A really interesting customs like that, but a photograph that was shared with me from a missionary that I encountered as a uh, high schooler at a youth group camp. This missionary showed me a really cool picture that was taken in a heavily thick jungle uh, where vines and so forth were present within the image. And this was in the Congo. And there are three giant humanoids in the background that are shrouded by these trees. This tree line and the vine and the thick, lush foliage seem to obscure the giant humanoids a bit, but based on the size of the trees and the size of these individuals' legs and the top of one of the heads of these humanoids, they appear to be in excess of 9 to 12 feet tall. And the tribespeople told stories to the missionaries about giants in the wilderness, giants in the jungle, that were of an ancient culture, an ancient tribe that had been cut off from even them. They lived deeper in the jungle. But I'm guessing that the sightings of the white man, the white missionaries, and the, the hustle and bustle it was probably started from them. The sounds, the noises, the, the different atmosphere, the sounds of a helicopter in the distance. Any, any number of things like that could have brought the attention of these giant humanoids and brought them close enough to want to see who these people were and what message they were bringing or what dangers they may be bringing. So they got close enough to actually be captured in this picture that was shown to me. And this was long before the days of Photoshop and easily faking an image. And it was something that just shook me to my core as a 16-year-old kid, seeing seeing something like that that was completely defying all known science. And there have been thousands of tales shared by missionaries, people working in humanitarian efforts, uh, people that are on just a random discovery and they happen upon these indigenous people and the stories that these indigenous people share with them. Like, for example, in the 1980s, there was a group that encountered some of the locals who talked about, who shared stories of giant lizards and giant monsters that would often inhabit the jungle that they would have to encounter and fight off from time to time. Even some of the missionaries have talked about encountering animals they had never seen before, species of creatures that were thought to be extinct. Uh, for example, in the 1930s, the Madaga in, uh, near Madagascar, that uh, coelacanth that was captured, it was a prehistoric fish that was thought to have been dead for hundreds of millions of years and somehow turned up by just some simple fishermen. And God only knows what waits for us in the jungle, in the rainforest, that 
we've never seen or even known to exist. Unbelievably, more than 200,000 acres of rainforest are burned every day. That is more than 150 acres lost every minute of every day, and 78 million acres lost every year. More than 20% of the Amazon rainforest is already gone, and much more is severely threatened as the destruction continues. Tropical rainforests cover only 7% of the Earth's land surface, but contain over 50% of the world's wildlife. We are now in the year 2021, and the entire Amazon is not yet fully discovered. There are many species yet to be discovered of birds, insects, animals, amphibians, etc., and I think we won't be able to discover due to dangerous animals and the wild nature of the jungle. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Ghosts, aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot, parallel universes, angels and demons, time travel, cryptozoology, and so much more within the realm of the unexplained, the strange, and the out of this world. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, screenwriter, researcher, and paranormal professional. Join me every week as I tackle hot-button topics within the paranormal realm. I'll share personal accounts, my research, and secondhand evidence. I will read excerpts and stories from my books and discuss my upcoming projects in the literary world. Documentaries, both on TV and the big screen, plus my independent film projects. Paranormally Speaking is both thought-provoking and entertaining. New episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in to Paranormally Speaking and prepare to be enlightened. This next part is an extremely interesting story shared with me that's titled The Lights That Walk. Tipak Michael is a skeptic, but because of her Bedea culture, she is open to local beliefs. Her mother, who used to live in Bang Bratak village in the Bao area of Sirak, used to tell many stories of how she encountered what they call the forest people, when she had to trek through jungles for two hours to get to school and back. She said, my mother told me that the forest people are tall but you can't really see their faces, but they are usually kind and protective. So she said, don't make them angry. Tipak, who enjoys jungle trekking, has seen strange things as well. Once during a scouts and girl guides camping event in Santukbong, a few juniors were laughing and making noise. Out of nowhere, a piece of wood flew in from the darkness and hit one of the girls right in the mouth. The second incident, was while she was camping at Gonong Pue near Lundu Sarak that night. She was the bodyguard for her team, so she had to stay awake. I saw fireflies in the jungle, she said. At first, I thought they looked pretty. Then I thought to myself, why are there fireflies on top of a mountain? Then slowly the fireflies congregated to form the shape of a man and started walking towards us. She recalls, I was so scared. I turned on our only torchlight until the battery died out. I hardly slept the rest of the night. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. 
the time that U.S. troops believed that they saw Bigfoot in the jungles of Vietnam, in the Kantum province of Vietnam, near the borders with Laos and Cambodia, there were many reports from the U.S. troops on patrols of a strange, not quite human, but not quite ape creature, the locals called Nagao Rung, or the people of the forest. In other words, we know him as Bigfoot. Gary Linderer was on a six-man patrol with the 101st Airborne Long Range Reconnaissance Patrols. While struggling through the underbrush, he ran into a deep set of eyes on a prominent brow, five feet tall with long muscular arms. The creature walked upright and was then much taller than five feet. He had broad shoulders and a heavy torso. His battle buddies told him he just saw a rock ape, but Lindwer had seen rock apes before. This was no rock ape. Once it stood completely tall, it was about an excess of seven feet. Like the Yeti in the Himalayas and the Sasquatch sightings all over North America, the Nagual Rung is an often told tale in this area. But despite endless sightings and folklore attached to the semi-mythical creature, no concrete evidence exists. Linderer wasn't the only witness either. Army Sergeant Thomas Jenkins reported his platoon was attacked by these apes throwing stones at them. Toward the end of the war, Viet Cong and NVA soldiers reported so many sightings of the reddish-brown-haired-covered Nagao Rong, the North Vietnamese Communist Party ordered scientists to investigate the sightings. Dr. Vo Quy, a respected doctor and environmental researcher from Hanoi, discovered the Nagao Rong footprint on the forest floor and made a cast of it. The cast was wider than a human foot and too big for an ape and much too long for a human. In 1982, another Vietnamese scientist, Tran Hong, Viet discovered more footprints, which led zoologist John McKinnon to investigate the region. McKinnon called the area a tiny, pristine corner of the world unknown to modern science. In 1969, McKinnon discovered man-like footprints in Borino's jungles, with the locals called Batutut, while much of the evidence surrounding the existence of these apes is only through theory alone. McKinnon, known for his discoveries of new mammal species in Vietnam, believes that there is a possibility the existence of a previously unknown ape species is very much real. The account of Nagai Rong meeting American GIs in Vietnam was first published and Craig P.J. Jorningson's very crazy G.I. but strange true stories of the Vietnam War. This final tale of crazy-ass jungle adventures. This one really struck a nerve with me as I was reading it. Um, I had to ask myself, is it actually in first-person experience, or was it told in second-person narrative? So I'm just going to relay it as it was told to me. My name is Enrique, and I am from Peru. I am a military man by profession, and as such, I often travel to some of the most exotic and remote regions in my country. Five years ago, I had probably one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. Although it only lasted a few minutes, it felt like an eternity. A group of us from the Peruvian army were sent to conduct training exercises in the Department of the Amazons, which is in the north of the country and the border with Ecuador. 
The region is quite isolated, and most of it is covered by rainforest. Our army barracks was located in a place called Mesones Moreau. Part of our duties was to train the local recruits and the techniques of jungle warfare. Some of the men in the group were from a race of indigenous people who live in the rainforest. They call themselves Aguarunas. It was just after midnight when we came to a clearing and decided to make camp. Everything was dark and green. The moonlight couldn't penetrate the thick canopy of trees in the jungle. We were close to a single dirt road that was lined with stones. The night had progressed without incident, and there was no reason to think anything unusual would happen. But in the next few minutes, all of that would change completely. We sat watching the endless stretch of deserted road as the Aguarnos pitched the tents. The jungle is hot and humid, even at night, and sweat was trickling down my face. As I sat mopping my brow, I suddenly felt an icy wind, and at that moment it felt so cold that I began looking for somewhere to take shelter. It was so unusual that some of the men thought it might be a signal that a heavy rain was approaching. Sometimes the torrential rainfall is accompanied by cold winds. However, this was like the cold of winter all of a sudden. The kind of cold you feel take hold of your body right down to the bones. The Aguarinas abruptly stopped what they were doing and began whispering to each other in their own language. We couldn't understand what they were saying, but by the looks of their faces, they were terrified. When I asked them what was happening, I was shocked by their responses. One of them looked at me wide-eyed and hissed, approaching evil. Another tried to explain something or someone wanted to hurt us. All of a sudden, we heard a high-pitched whistling sound. It was echoing through the jungle. The Aguarnos suddenly blessed themselves, making the sign of the cross, and covered their ears. There is no sound, said one. His voice was shaking. I can hear nothing, cried another. One of my colleagues, a man named Raymond, turned to me with a puzzled expression. What's that whistling sound, he asked. No, shouted one of the Aguarnas. There is no silence. There is only silence, no sound. You can't hear that, asked Ramon. It's a high-pitched whistling sound like few, 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 few. In that moment, I couldn't tell what was going on, but I believe that the native peoples know things that most of us have forgotten. Seeing the frightened looks on their faces, I decided that it would be smart to do whatever they were doing, if only for the sake of superstition. I made the sign of the cross, then covered my ears and said loudly to my colleague, like they say, there is no sound. Have you all gone crazy? He said in disbelief. I can hear it with my own ears. Just then, there was a tremendous crash, as if several trees were splitting apart. What we saw in that split second was the most horrible thing I had ever laid eyes on. In my profession, I have seen some horrible things. I have seen people maimed. I've seen people die, but what I experienced that day was the scariest thing I had ever witnessed in my life. A black shape emerged from the jungle. It swooped down over us, and before anybody had a chance to react, it was gone. In an instant, it disappeared back into the jungle, and I was left crouching there, unsure if what I had seen was real or I had imagined it. No one moved, no one spoke a word. The silence was broken by one of the Aguarnas screaming, It took him! Looking to my left, 
I realized that Ramon was nowhere to be seen. And the place where he had been standing was seconds before. There was nothing but dark green vegetation and a pair of empty boots. As a consequence of this apparition, two of my soldiers were hospitalized in a medical center nearby. The doctors said they were suffering from mental illness. According to the Yaguarnos, when this thing came out of the jungle and took Ramon, it also snatched their souls personally. I cannot explain what happened to them. Something turned them from brave soldiers into shaking hollow shells. I asked the Iguarnos what we had encountered that night. None of them would say it out loud, but one wrote it down on a piece of paper and handed it to me. He had scrolled El Tunchi. It means the whistling sound. I believe that good and evil really exist. And that night, I felt that we had experienced pure, unadulterated evil. However, that is not how my story ends. The Peruvian army launched an investigation into Ramon's disappearance. They listened to the testimony of the Iguanos, then dismissed them as little more than superstitious natives. When I tried to tell what I had seen, they were not convinced. I was interrogated for hours, during which they accused me of being delusional and asked if we had all been on drugs and suffered hallucinations. About a week later, I was back in the jungle, leading a patrol that consisted of several Aguanos and two other enlisted men. We were much deeper in the jungle than we had ever been before. When we came to a clearing, I heard one of the Aguanos suddenly cry out. He was pointing up into the trees. It was Ramon. His body had been strung up in the highest branches. It was a grisly sight. His body was sliced open from his neck to his waist. His guts were hanging out and his intestines were draped across the branches. His legs were nothing but bones. Then we heard his voice begging and pleading for us to cut him down. I took a few steps forward and one of the Iguanos pulled out his hand and stopped me. It's not your friend anymore, he warned sternly. Look at him. How is he still alive? Be careful, warned another. It's a trick. In this way, it tries to lure us. Sure enough, when I strained my eyes to see, I realized that his mouth wasn't moving. He was obviously dead, and yet the begging and pleading continued. Another of the Aguarnos took aim and fired at Raymond's head. The bullet struck him right between the eyes. His head slumped to the right, and the cries for help ceased abruptly. When we got back from patrol that day, none of us said a word about it to our commanding officers. They would not have believed us anyway. Hey, that's all I got for you this week. It was a lot of fun discussing the differences between rainforests and jungles. A lot of people may not even realize there's a big difference. Uh, also discussing the possible extinct and virtually unknown and never have been discovered before by the eyes of white men, the Western world, that exists within the jungles and rainforests on our own planet, since we know very little about our own home world and a lot more about space and very little about ourselves for that matter. The smarter we get, the dumber we get. That's the harsh reality. We forget more than we remember. And the ancients that came before us knew things and were aware of things that died with them. And we may never know in our lifetime, but maybe there will be a time where those who come after us 
We'll have it all figured out. And then we can look down from heaven and say, good job. Job well done. This is Neil Parks. Have a great rest of the weekend. We have a lot more snow and brutal cold weather, temperatures and so forth, hitting the east, the midwest, and parts of the south. So bundle up, keep warm, don't freeze to death. I need my listening audience for next week. Please come back, listen to more of the stuff that I yamber on about for about 45 minutes. I think I went over a little bit this week. I'm dedicating this episode to a friend of mine who passed last week, Jeremy Merritt. He started out as just a fan of my books and coming to my book signings and to the conventions I was speaking at and watching my YouTube channel and developed into a friendship. And he just turned 40 on the 7th of January, but unfortunately we lost him last Wednesday of last week. So Godspeed. May you find peace and safe passage to the light in the next step spiritually. God be with your family. Our prayers are with you and your family. Thank you again. This is Neil Parks signing off. Even some of the missionaries have talked about encountering animals they had never seen before, species of creatures that were thought to be extinct. Uh, for example, in the 1930s, the Madaga- in, uh, near Madagascar, that coelacanth uh, that was captured, it was a prehistoric fish that was thought to have been dead for hundreds of millions of years and somehow turned up by just some simple fishermen. And God only knows what waits for us in the jungle and the rainforest that we've never seen or even known to exist and there have been thousands of tales shared by missionaries people working in humanitarian efforts uh people that are on just a random discovery and they happen upon these indigenous people and the stories that these indigenous people share with them like for example in the 1980s there was a group that encountered some of the locals who talked about who shared stories of giant lizards and giant monsters that would often inhabit the jungle that they would have to encounter and fight off from time to time.